0: Oftentimes, it's better to start with creativity to help you learn the facts.
1: Life is too short to learn a, a list of a thousand random words. From the campus of Stanford
0: University, this
2: is Schools In
0: with your hosts, Dan Schwartz and Denise Pope.
2: Welcome
1: to Schools In. I'm Denise Pope, senior lecturer with the Graduate School of Education here at Stanford, and I'm with my co-host, Dan Schwartz, dean of the Graduate School of Education. And due to COVID-19, we are actually not in the studio today today. Dan and I are in our homes and offices, and our guest will be participating from his office as well.
0: So, Doctor Denise, how do you change education? Pope, it's good. It's good to see you over Zoom.
1: It's it's good to see you too. How do you, how do you change education? Pope, huh? <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you you kind of have you have an approach, right? Uh, challenge success is sort of direct to the providers, isn't that right?
1: Yes, we work with teachers and administrators and and schools to make changes based on research. But we we work to sort of implement the changes that the research is pointing to.
0: So, you know, my my uh, perch, the change I try to make is to guide research to be more synergistic, relevant, uh, to prepare students to go out and continue. Uh, But but when it comes to like changes in Sacramento, Or the federal government is it? I I don't really have a good image of how that occurs. Like, is it a giant mosh pit (laughs) where there's people screaming and and jumping over each other saying, you know, pass this bill? Like, do do you know how this works?
1: I mean, I know a little bit about how it works. Right. Did you not ever watch, you know, uh, the the little I'm just a bill sitting here on Capitol Hill? Do you not know how it works as
0: it moves along?
1: Yeah. Uh, Yeah.
0: Yeah, I watched that, but I've also seen people kind of in the back room arguing mm. before the bill sort of gets formed. And right. and so I don't I don't quite understand that part. Like like I can I write a bill?
1: You can try. I mean, yeah. there's I mean, I don't pretend to know this either, but I do know once when I was working with, uh with service learning, which is Something that we wanted to incorporate into teacher education, we went to Sacramento to try and get it incorporated into a credentialing requirement so that everyone would have to learn about service learning. And it was a really interesting, fascinating process for me to see just how you how you make something like that happen takes years
0: did you, did you like march around the outside with pickets? and? Yeah,
1: I mean, you have, and, yeah, we have, we actually talked to someone, we talked to lobbyists and advocates and um, tried to get them to help us make our case. You know, we met, we met with different people, assemblymen, uh, assemblywomen. You, assembly
0: you did, yeah. you made, you made it up to the level of the assemblymen and women?
1: Yes, but that, that's. And then I had nothing to do with it after that. So uh, uh, <laughs> we didn't get very far. We didn't get very far.
0: So so we we have a super expert on this uh, uh, who's been working in this area for quite a while. This is Ted Lampert. He is the president of Children Now, which is a national research and av- advocacy organization in Oakland. Uh, he's also a lecturer in the political science department at, at our, our good friends at UC Berkeley. And uh, previously, Ted was the founding CEO of EdVoice, which is a California education reform organization. Sounds like a frustrating life, but but good for you. Uh, Ted Ted was also a California State Assembly member uh, representing San Mateo and Santa Clara counties from 1996 to 2000 and 1988 to 1992. So uh, I don't know whether you got voted out or you just needed to take a breather. Before you uh, went from one one to the next, but welcome for joining us. Ted. <laughs> After that, no.
1: welcome, Ted. Do you want to even <laughs> <Really>? be here? <laughs>
2: it, it, no, it's it's great to be with both of you. And actually, that thing called uh, redistricting, I got redistricted out of my seat, so then went uh,
0: back. Uh, oh, uh, wow. wow! Oh well, that that would be another show. Yeah, <laughs> that's
2: really yeah, there you interesting. Go. We'll do that with the political science department.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, um, so I'm 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 your average parent. I'm sort of wondering how, like, decisions are made. Like the decision to suddenly do a tremendous investment in pre-K, you know, be uh, kin- uh, transitional kindergarten. Uh, how, how does this happen? Like, it and, and if, if it has to be the bill marching through, you know, the stages in a cartoon, that's fine. But, but help.
2: Yeah, it's it's more complicated than it should be, but it, it is complex. But, you, you know, that example, and it was actually a really big win in California this year, that commitment to all four-year-olds having uh, that, some preschool education. Um, it comes about from a, a, a lot of push from the outside, like advocacy groups like ours. Um, ideally, Uh, issues arise from what's really going on from the view of parents and teachers and educators and folks in the community. And then actually turning that into policy and that, you know, it's often referred to as sausage making. Um, It's really having inside champions um, within Sacramento, in the legislature, in the administration. Um, and, And then it's also having that outside coordinated pressure and really showing all the different groups and folks that support it. Um, and sometimes it takes a while. I mean, this is the universal preschool has been something that I personally and children now has been focused on for over a decade. And, and unfortunately, sometimes it takes a while. But this year's an example of where that big win occurred.
0: And, and is there your advocacy advocacy group and you you you're trying all these different avenues to get in and people begin to know who you are and what you care about because you're around all the time, I'm guessing. Yeah. And then and then there's a tipping point so what what was the tipping point for the the universal pre-k
2: yeah i think um you know a couple things when i mentioned the inside champion having the governor firmly on board and some some key uh, legislative champions dealing with not just opposition but deep concerns both within the child care community and with uh, us some in 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 k-12 and the sort of bigger picture You know, I'm a big believer that kids really are the most important thing. We should all be focused on our future. And so the way we think about all this as children now is that we, the the advocacy nets needs to be done very strategically and taken very seriously, just as seriously as the finance industry or, you know, labor or oil companies do it. So there is sort of a magic to advocacy, advocacy one-on-one. And in the education and kids space, I think we've been a little too shy and, and not as strategic and assertive as we need to. So that's how you know, I sort of think about this. And, and that was part of how we got this uh, universal preschool done.
1: So what's what's advocacy 101? I would love love to know. Teach us. Teach us.
2: Sure. Well, advocacy 101 is inside champion, outside pressure, very clear, succinct message about what you're t- trying to do. And then not dividing the base. I mean, if you guys think about it, like think of political campaigns, think of, uh, you, you know, advocacy campaigns. Usually when there's a really clear message and the base is together, you win. <laughs> when when the base is split or divided, you lose. And as simple as that sounds, I can go through hundreds and hundreds of examples where where that's true. And it's a really just sort of keeping the, quote, base together, whatever that is, you know, in, in this case, all those are, about education and and kids and then bringing that together to really exert a lot of pressure on policymakers.
1: It's interesting to me when you think about pressure on policymakers, because I always think like The only pressure I have as an individual is to give my vote or not give my vote or give my money and not give my money. So when you talk about pressure on policymakers, what does that really mean?
2: Sure. Well, first of all, those two things you mentioned are are critical, certainly the vote, which everyone can do and then donating to candidates. And, you know, I urge folks not to uh, underestimate that one email or if you happen to be fortunate enough to be at an event or meeting where a legislator or legislative staff is at that one comment to them. Can make a really significant difference so you know anyone can can help pressure um how things uh, how, how things happen and then for a coordinated push you know we have what's called the, the children's movement at children now where there's opportunities for folks to come together and more within one voice speak out but i i really urge everyone who's listening to to, to not assume you you don't have some influence and, you know, reaching out to a policymaker and whatever uh, form makes the most sense for you can, can oftentimes have a big impact.
1: This is Schools In with Denise Pope and Dan Schwartz. We are talking with Ted Lempert, former California State Assemblyman, about how you get things to happen and make changes in school, going particularly through uh, legislature.
0: So let, let's uh, so your organization has a specific strategy that really caught my attention. Um, so I'm I'm going to read a little bit of this and I'm going to read parts and ask you to talk about it and then read other parts. Uh, so Children Now takes a whole child approach covering the full range of key children's issues from prenatal through age 26, including early childhood development, education, children's health, childhood trauma and resilience, foster care and youth justice. This representation allows us to develop sensible policies because children's issues are interdependent and can't be developed effectively in silos. So I I meet a lot of people who say uh, I would like to solve this specific problem. Right. I'd I'd like to make sure that all schools have a garden or I'm I'm going to uh, address the issue of ADHD and they become very, very specific issue focused, which. Seems like a great way to make progress, but you're sort of proposing that, uh, no, you got to it'll get too cluttered or something.
2: Great question. Dad. So it's fine to have a specific focus and goal. And we have many specific issue campaigns. But what's been lacking in the kids space is bringing it together, connecting it. The, the easiest analogy is the Chamber of Commerce. You know, think of that power that it has nationally, locally, and in, in California, even in, quote, progressive California, the Chamber of Commerce is very powerful. And they work on a whole range of business issues, right? And and so that there needs to be that connected overall voice for kids. And when folks do have a particular interest, it's fine to focus in on that, but it, it needs to take account for the other issues around it and and how that will impact. And so, you know, big part of the problem with kids kids in education advocacy is one, we don't take it seriously enough. And two, it's very disconnected. And, and that hurts us getting bigger wins. And, you know, ultimately what we're here for in that is to make sure every kid has the unique supports that they need.
0: And, and is this, a am not sure I, mean, I understand the point exactly. The If you can get the base to take a sort of a ecosystem approach, you can communicate the, the children need support. And then once you have that, then do you sort of reach in and say, and to do that, you should invest a certain amount in ADHD or a certain amount in school gardens?
2: Absolutely. And, you know, for those working in mental health, they also understand the need for access to child care. For those working with our, our youth in foster care, they certainly understand the need for trauma support or access to higher education. So we become so siloed we're losing the power that we have in the kids' field. And that is, we want every kid to have these supports. So folks can work on their particular area, but there needs to be a, 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 a willingness, which I think there is. And what we work on is bringing that together. So as we work on each issue, we can bring folks out of their silo and say, well, yeah, I'm for that too. So when policymakers see it, they go, wow, there's a whole lot of folks who support this. I mean, this is overwhelming support.
0: So, so you have another quote. Uh, That I really like Um, this. It allows us to avoid the fragmentation that often pits single issue organizations against each other, causing strong solutions to be unintentionally derailed. So you're trying to convince people it's not a zero sum game (laughs) that that by working on their issue, they don't have to take down the other one as a competitor.
2: That, that's absolutely the point. And it gets to there's a sense of scarcity and powerlessness in the kids in education. But, oh, my gosh, there's only so much. So I've got to fight for childcare. And if, if transitional kindergarten or more funding for K-12 hurts that, I'm either going to not support it or, God forbid, oppose it. That's been the mindset historically. That's not how other interests work. You know, look at the business world, look at labor, you know, look at other issues. And so that's exactly what what we were trying to convey is we have an enormous amount of power. There's no other issue where you can bring business, labor, faith, civil rights groups, Democrats, independents, Republicans together. So the way we have that power is to be more connected and actually, yes, demand that policymakers not just say they did this one piece and they're done, But until we really have all the supports that kids need and appropriately funded, you know, we need to keep uh, fighting for that.
1: This is Schools In with Denise Pope and Dan Schwartz. We're talking with Ted Lempert today about how you make things happen uh, for the state of California and in particular, how to pull different groups together to have that kind of power. And and my question to you, Ted, is so then you get these folks together. How do you know what to do? push for first? I'm sure everyone's kind of jockeying for, okay, we're with you, but but really mine is the most important. So let's go there first. So what do you do?
2: You guys ask really good questions. <laughs> So I, I, I think it, that's where we use the analogy for other interest groups. And I, I'm using the chamber only because there's a lot of businesses. There's a lot of business groups. They all have an important role, but the the chamber's rules to sort of bring that together, you know, and say, this is pro business, you know, these are high, these are top priorities this year. And a lot of it actually has to be responsive. You you know, what's the political climate. You have a governor that's focused on certain issues. Well, suddenly you've got a much bigger opportunity to get universal preschool than you might have to do some reforms that are needed in the teaching profession, for example. So you, you want to have a a list and we have a pro kid agenda of a, of a, whole lots of policies that need to improve to support kids in terms of the prioritization. It's not not us sitting in a room saying, let's prioritize this. It's what are we not only hearing from throughout the state, but what's the political climate where we, where can we really get a big win if we push appropriately?
0: Yeah, that's really interesting. So, so, well, basically you, you've got, you've got your cupboard with all these issues and then you say, Oh, well, this governor likes tomato soup. So let me
2: pull out that can. Right. (laughs) And not just the
1: governor, but other things going on as well. Right. Right. It can't just be one one person.
2: And you're always pressured. Not don't get me wrong. You're you're pressuring on all the issues. But in terms of where you bring everyone together, the way we think about it is we use our children's movement to bring everyone together when there's an issue that's ready for a huge push. And that we feel that the time's right where there's enough support in the legislature with governor to get that through. But you're you're constantly pushing on a range of fronts, and, and again, you know, we shouldn't be shy about putting pressure on these folks. Other interests do. And quite frankly, I think kids deserve that, having that pressure placed on politicians more than any other interest.
0: I want to back up a little bit and ask how you bring these groups that, that are worried about a zero sum. So my brother was uh, one of the top lawyers in the State Department. He's the one who wrote treaties. He didn't negotiate them, but he wrote them legal. And so he's in Israel and Palestine, and the head of Palestine needs to convince all the princes that they should follow this kind of treaty that they've set up. And the head is sort of lamenting that these princes, they're all independent, right? They have their own interests. And the solution was, Bill Clinton said, put them in a room with me. I'll walk around and I'll shake all their hands and I'll convince them to do it. So is is this how you do it, Ted?
1: <laughs> Ted, Ted shakes a lot of hands. I, I mean, no, no, Clint, was,
0: Clint was a tall, imposing guy. You know, <laughs> Ted, well, you got a lot of force of personality.
2: Yeah. So the short answer is no. Although the, we do do what we call sometimes a little shuttle diplomacy, where because you know, you guys know in education, there's some uh, some pretty tough divides out there, unfortunately, and you know, sometimes you need to be with. Uh, folks in the charter schools and folks in the traditional and, you know, have one-on-one conversations and then break folks together. But fortunately doing right by kids is not as controversial as Middle East. And, Middle East. and so it's, you know, it's more, let's just take a step back. What do we want? We we want every kid to have the supports that they need. And, 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 and that's unique and there's a lot of barriers to that it, systemic racism, poverty. We, we, there's a lot of barriers to that happening, but what do we want overall Bringing folks together around that. Let's prioritize kids. There's enormous support for that. And and what we do is just ask folks to sign up for that. Let's prioritize kids. Then it's particular issues that we bring forward and hopefully folks will be willing to come out of their silo. But it's an opt in approach. And so if nothing else, we still get a, a broad support for different issues.
1: This is School's In with Denise Pope and Dan Schwartz. We will have more with Ted Lemper talking about policy and particularly how we can put a little pressure on some of the politicians to get some wins next on Sirius XM.
0: This is School's In. I'm not an expert at this. I'm more expert than you.
1: When you can't read in American society, you are really left out.
0: With Dan Schwartz and Denise Pope from the campus of Stanford University.
1: Welcome back to Schools In with Dan Schwartz and Denise Pope. We are talking with Ted Lempert, former California Assembly member and president of Children Now, which is is a research and advocacy group. And Ted, I have to say one thing I really love about the organization is a tagline that I saw, which is we're pro kid. And to me, right, it just seems like a brilliant strategy because who's going to say to you, I'm anti kid? Nobody. Right. I
2: can pretty much tell you what the vote in the legislature is going to be based on the terms pro-business, pro-gun, anti-tax, pro-environment, pro-labor. And and it's really powerful to have that two-word strategy. So why weren't we doing that for kids? Everyone else is doing it really effectively. So that's what we're doing.
0: It's brilliant. Brilliant. You sort of said there's this base and it gets split. And the trick is to bring them together. You know, when I look at the news, all I see are conflict, right? I, I see school board members throwing chairs. Yep. I see masking arguments. I see critical race theory arguments. So like what percent of people are, pro, uh, are caught up in those arguments and what percent are sort of like, no, no, we're actually want to move forward?
2: Well, the good news, I mean, there's not 100 percent consensus. Um, and some of what we're seeing now is a very organized political strategy, which, quite frankly, by folks who don't have a equity focused pro kid approach. And it gins up a percentage of folks in our state in our nation but when you look at polling focus groups and the work we've done there's an overwhelming support by overwhelming you know I'm saying in California well over 70% 75% who are like yeah. we get that every kid needs support and we get that race plays a huge role and income and we're we're willing to say we want this prioritized we want every kid to succeed what we're seeing in the news right now is a minority of folks incredibly well-organized uh, with very frustrating but effective messaging that's making it seem like there's all this um, fighting when you know, folks are pretty, at, at least in California, the vast majority of folks' is schools need more money. Yes, we want a more accountability. We want this to you know, to work. And I actually think that the public is in generally ahead of the political elite and some of these you know, interest campaigns that we're seeing right now.
0: So so that's interesting. So the, here's an advocacy group that has a different strategy. Their strategy is to seed foment. Yep. Is that right? And and yep. and the end game of that strategy is that nothing happens or what what is the it's got to be for it's, some purpose.
1: It's a political party a different political party wins. Right, Ted? Is that right?
2: Absolutely. And this is not, you know, Democrats have done this too. So, why it's (laughs) happening on the Republican side right now, it's it's not that Democrats don't do this. But yeah, it depends what your goals are. If the goal is every kid has a unique set of needs, there's barriers to them achieving that. But the goal is making sure every kid has what they need. And if that's your goal, there's a fair amount of consensus for that. If your goal is to win a political race or to form the, you know, divisiveness to, to, to have your movement move ahead, then yeah, you're, and that, and your goal is not every kid having what they need, then you're going to take other tactics. And that's a lot of what we're hearing today. I mean, I obviously follow that, but I don't want that to knock us off course. And that is the vast majority of folks, want to do right by kids. So let's bring that together and get it done.
1: So here's my question. Is your strategy, do you also have to, aside from what you were saying at the beginning of the show, finding an advocate on the inside and putting pressure on, do you also have to do a lot of social media work and posting of signs and to, to try and get the public Involved or do you not deal with that?
2: Our view is that clearly the the public needs to be more energized and, you know, 25, 30 percent. I mean, I think the the public sports stronger here in California than nationally. Those folks that aren't supportive of all kids getting supports is a problem. That said, our main focus is the political elite, for lack of a better word, or the interest groups, because that's what's really hurting kids. Most elected officials don't go to Sacramento saying I'm going there to mess up kids' lives. I mean, they a lot of them wanna do the right thing and then they get pressured to do everything but kids by sophisticated, coordinated interests. So to me, the public pressure is key, but the bigger problem is making sure that in uh, California's interest group-driven political system that kids actually have power. And, and, and that's what we're trying to break through.
1: This is School's In with Dan Schwartz and Denise Pope. You are listening to Ted Lampert talking about how we can actually give kids and and the pro-kid message power, particularly in Sacramento and with our policymakers. I'm energized by this, but I'm also a little bit miffed as to why we have not been sophisticated when all these other groups have for all these years. How did that even happen? I I do a
2: lot of thinking about that. And it's too quick. I mean, one is for some reason, people don't take this seriously. A quick anecdote. I ran into this guy at the gym who asked and I knew he was a doctor and he asked what I did. I obviously didn't do a good job describing it. And I and he said, oh, that's so nice. Is that part time? And I just looked at him and says the head of the California Medical Association part time. I mean, why is there this feeling like? You're fighting for kids and some are like, oh, how nice. No, politics and advocacy is about power. Kids have power. Let's take this seriously. We At Children Now, we compare ourselves. Are we advocating better than Goldman Sachs is? If not, why not? Kids need it more than Goldman Sachs. So part of this is this attitude. You think kids and you go, oh, how nice, as opposed to, no, we need to fight to make sure every kid's what, what they have. And that just, and then I think some of that is comes from just, and I say this lovingly sort of the field that works with kids, you know, we, we want to save the world. We we're we're nice. We want to provide support all great. But when it comes to advocacy, we need to put on a slightly different hat. And, and, and that is we need to be assertive and we, we need to push for what's needed. So it's really interesting how this all happened. Um, but yes, other interest groups have figured this out and kids are behind. So
0: when, when you look at your organization, these other organizations, uh, who populates them? Are they like ex-teachers or uh, they're, they're ex-business CEOs who've seen the light that kids matter as much or?
2: Oh, that part. Well, so the children's move, we have over 4,300 or 4,500 organizations. We keep going right now and it runs the gamut. I mean, it's small nonprofits, it's community groups, it's large businesses, businesses associations. So I I, I think lots of folks see the light. And and the other piece of this is if you're struggling to run a small (laughs) childcare setting, you know, you you don't have a lot of time to do the advocacy, but you care a lot and want to be connected. So we're we're more really trying to connect uh, a huge array of organizations that care a lot about this, but we're just more effective of fighting together
1: so ted what what do you think is next if you had sort of a crystal ball i know you worked really hard for the the universal preschool and and an early childhood what do you think if you had a crystal ball is going to be the next thing that you're going to be really pushing for
2: um the a big thing on the teacher profession making sure that um it, that the, the, the teachers look like the kids in the classrooms and the quality of teaching and the state plays a big role in that and how teachers are recruited and trained and supported so there's there's lots of issues we're working on but that's just so central to improving education and when i say teachers that includes childcare providers the tk teachers really the workforce across the board and the one other quick thing is y- you need adults on campus and believe it or not but like california has moved up a little in terms of per capita education funding we're at the bottom of the country in adults on campus, counselors, nurses, supports, um, and that makes a huge difference. So that's another big issue. It involves more money, but also, and making sure we're spending that money wisely and getting kids kinds of supports they need.
1: I'm so excited that you're doing what you do, Ted. I'm so excited that you're pro-kid. So thank you so much for being here. Uh, we're with you. We'll have you back on with the, the next issue that comes out. Uh, Thank all of you for listening to Schools In with Dan Schwartz and Denise Pope. If you missed any of this episode, listen anytime on demand with the SiriusXM app and anywhere you listen to podcasts.
0: From the campus of Stanford University, this has been Schools In with Dan Schwartz and Denise Pope on SiriusXM Business Radio. If you missed any of it, listen on demand online or with the SiriusXM app.